Hello, Money Queens and listeners. Welcome to Women Behind the Millions. Let's meet the women behind the millionaires, the women supporting, guiding, celebrating women with their wealth. You will hear from women millionaires, how they got there, what they wish they had known, what got them to be a millionaire, the emotional side, the spiritual side, the practical side of wealth. You'll also get to meet the women behind the scenes helping make it happen. Let's dive into Women Behind the Millions. I am Jessica Weaver, your host, best-selling author of three books, wealth advisor, and founder of The Women's Wealth Boutique. Let's start meeting the women. Hello, welcome to Women Behind the Millions. I am Jessica Weaver, your host. Uh, best-selling author, wealth advisor, and founder of the Women's Wealth Boutique. And I am so excited. We have one of the OGs at the Women's Wealth Boutique, Brenna Wilson, with us here today. She is a wealth advisor, a money coach. She focuses on behavioral finance. Cannot wait to talk about that today. In Colorado, she loves building with wealth for minority communities, really getting involved in her local community as well as making real impact in this world with money. So thank you, Brenda, for being here with us today. So excited to talk with you. How's it going with you? Oh, it's great. Um, thanks for having me. I love uh, talking about this stuff. So I'm really excited to be here today. What got you into behavioral finance? And I'm guessing the psychology behind how we operate, think about money, everything from the time where a thought pops into our mind with money to us acting out on it. What got you into it? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, when I say behavioral finance, I feel like I have to describe what it is, even though it's kind of self-explanatory, right? <laughs> Most people understand what that means. But um, it's really because I have done a lot of personal growth and personal work. And um, I was using life coaches and therapists and just trying to figure out how does my mind work so that I could be more aware of what's going on. Um, and I found that within that, I have had to deal with my own um, behavioral finances, where what are my behaviors? What's my mindset and thought process behind money so that I can improve that? And I'm finding that you can't make lasting changes unless you actually look at the behaviors and the psychology behind it, because you start with why. Everyone tells you to start with why when you're when you're in your own business. And I think that uh, it's really important. You know, as kids, you have kids, right? And they go through that phase of that why phase. where they're like, Oh, I remember the why phase. <laughs> and, and you're just like, why do you have to keep asking me why, right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, our brains are in tune with that. And they the brain asks why all the time. So if you don't have a good understanding of the why behind something, um, have a good understanding of why your brain is asking you that, then you can't make any changes and your brain will continue to ask why. Oh, that's fascinating. It's true as a young age, and I see it, I do it with my own kids, we will stifle their curiosity. We don't want them to keep asking why because I'm going to go insane if they ask me why one more time. But it's true, we should approach everything with a very curious mentality of just wanting to know, can there be a different way, a better way? Is there another way? What is? What are the ways? What are the options? Mm -hmm. Things like that. So it's fascinating that you did it with your own approach, with yourself, your own guinea pig, in yeah. a way. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like you get the best of it if you do it on yourself first, right? Because trial and error on you. Unless I know what they're going through and what they think about. That's awesome. What are some of the things that you found out about yourself as you were on this journey? 
Yeah, and you know, it's it's been interesting, right? I, I come from a middle class family and um, a family of a, a well known restaurant in the in the Denver area, and so you know, I kind of was afraid to talk about money because I felt like people looked at me in that light of like, oh, she she has a lot of money or or she's super wealthy. And so I would shy away from having money conversations. And a big thing is that I realized I would pay for other people a lot when we'd go out, you know, I'd buy everyone dinner or whatever, because I was trying to get rid of the money so I would fit in. And so, you know, I had to really look at that. Okay, what is that behavior? Why am I doing that? And then how can I change that so that I have a better mentality around saving money and not spending it and not just spending it on other people, but also maybe investing in myself rather than in that relationship. Very interesting. Trying to get rid of the money. Was there a lot of guilt around money? Having money that you didn't, because this is what I was taught. You have to work hard to earn, to have money or you're considered spoiled. I remember we called spoiled. So I had this guilt around money. Is that how you felt? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up, I, I was hard worker. You know, it was instilled, you have to work hard in order to get what you want. And so I've always been a hard worker, but I felt guilty because I felt like I had more than other people. And so I was trying to even the scale, I guess, by getting rid of some money in in a way that I could or help other people out. But what it ended up happening is it it hurt me more because then I didn't have enough for myself at times. Um, and so I struggled in that way. Um, and it, you know, it's guilty. We, it, money can divide us. We're on different levels and everyone thinks of it differently. Right. And the people that have it don't have to worry about not having it. I saw recently the Kardashians, uh, went to the grocery store. Did you see that one? No. I can picture it in my mind now. Well, they went to the grocery store and they were just like, so um, they get some backlash because they're so interested in what it's like to actually just go to a grocery store and buy your groceries and pay at the cashier. And so for them, it doesn't matter. But for other people, it's it's going to work 15 hours a day and working really hard and manual labor just to get by and just have enough. So it, you can feel guilt if you feel like you have more than other people. Um, at least that's how I felt. So I just wanted to try and fit in and in even the scale, I guess. It happens a lot. We try to blend in mm-hmm. to be accepted. And you've recently joined us at the Women's Wealth Boutique. And we have similar conversations and stories of feeling like we had to fit in in our industry even to take on this masculine approach, just like sales, shoving it down people's throats pushing them along the pipeline instead of be like, what if I want to sell a different way? And you being so aware of the behavioral finance, of course you're going to want to sell mm-hmm. and work with people in a different way. Can you talk that to us about how, because you're you're unconventional, you're, can we say controversial or innovative, yeah. whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, stepping outside the box of the norm. How have you made that shift, taking that risk from trying to blend in as you, as you said, we're doing even growing up and then in the industry, it's now making this shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny how as I worked on myself, um, I was always afraid of the things that made me different. Mm-hmm. And yet when I really looked at it, the things that made me different actually made me really good at what I do. Ooh. Right. So um, I've been told all my all my life that introversion is not great, right? Like you should be extroverted. You should go out and talk to people and you have to network and you have to um, call clients and you have to do all these things. And and yes, 
don't get me wrong, I've had to get over some fears around making phone calls and talking to people. But at the same time, I realized that I'm an introvert and I am very good at listening. And that's what people want to talk about when they talk, come to me. The clients want to talk about um, hard things. And often I get the the conversation around people say, I feel like I'm in therapy. You know, I have a, t- a box of tissues in my office because it can be emotional. It can be hard. And I'm a really good listener. I'm, I'm, I'm there to hold space for people as an introvert and get into those deep conversations because money can be a deep conversation. Um, Big space. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you know, it's, you know, coming from um, a middle-class family and they had a small business. I understand that, but then, you know, I've gone through my own struggles of, of, being female in a male-driven industry, as you know, as well. Um, <laughs> and then on top of that, I identify in the LGBTQ plus community. And so then I really felt like I had to prove myself, right? Like I'm, I can do these things and I can do it in the way that you tell me to. And and with learning how I work and what my strengths are, it just, the typical box didn't fit me. I couldn't fit into this box and so I almost left the industry because I felt like, oh, I can't do this. I, this isn't for me. Was that your breaking point? Would you say it's like enough? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard when you want something to work so badly and you feel like you have the potential and yet everything you do, you just feel stuck and you feel like it, you can't shine your light as as we talk about a lot. So being able to find a place at the Women's Wealth Boutique where I can be myself, where I can shine my light, where I can do the things I want to do and be more creative and more outgoing and more fun and goofy uh, is exactly what I needed. And I didn't know that that existed. Well, thank you for saying that. I love that you said holding space for people. And it's almost like you've held space for yourself to be able to do that and to get rid of the box, tear it apart, take a sledgehammer to it breakthrough and to let your own light shine and it's interesting you say you're introvert I would never really think that of you but maybe it's because I see you outside of the box and maybe that's how it's supposed to be to get out to really be who we are and stop being what everybody other everybody else's expectations of us are right allows us to shine our light Mm-hmm. So take me through, you are also a money coach. How do you help people with money coaching? What does that look like? Yeah. And, you know, I get the question a lot is what's the difference? How does that all work? And I I feel like sometimes it goes hand in hand. But um, when it comes to coaching, it's more about accountability and and helping people really figure out what it is that they need. But then how do we continue making progress in those ways? Right. So if, you know, I'm, I've been an athlete all my life. I know you too. Um, and always having those coaches there to help you and practice and, and figure out what's going on. So sometimes it could be doing a workshop with other people and learning from them, um, those kinds of things. So it's just about creating a space where you have a little bit more accountability, um, and thinking through things from a different perspective rather than just the typical, these are the numbers. It's more than that. And I think the best piece that coaches offer is the getting out of our own mind, our own mindset, and to switching that very quickly since money is so emotional. Mm-hmm. Having the coaching as this aid is huge for people. I encourage everybody to have an advisor, 
money mentor, coach, somebody. It's like their advocate. Have an advocate out there for you who's rooting for you, cheering you on, supporting you, educating you, whatever it is that you need to do. Well, I think that's really important. What you just said is is having someone that advocates for you. It's great to have a money mentor, but is that person really putting your best interests at heart? Um, and do they understand what your goals are, what you're trying to create? Because everyone's a little bit different. So what worked for them may not work for you. So it's really important to have someone that can give you that perspective that's an outside look so you can understand really what it is that you need when somebody, it might work for something or someone different. Yes, very true. Usually a mentor, I view it as, they're kind of teaching you how they did it. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And it's a huge resource. But it might not be the way that you want to do. So that, then what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is next for the name of your company? I mean, you're under the Women's Wealth Petite umbrella, but your name of your company is Trina Gold. How did that come about? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I've like I said, I, I, I deal with this logical, psychological, emotional, or behavioral finance side. And Citrine, actually, I found it. It's a stone. I love it. It's a gold orange, amber color, depending on what the stone is. Um, But it really means happiness, abundance, and prosperity. And I liked that thought process of having that side to my business. And then gold is that that solid, logical piece that most people associate with money. So I wanted to make sure I could blend the two. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Approaching it from both sides. That's what our industry just tends to focus on that strong side, the the numbers, the facts. But we can't make a decision without our emotions in there, can we? No. We're told we we should remove all emotions with your money and you'd be better investors. It's impossible. <laughs> required. <gasps> yeah. You can try as hard as you want, but you know, our beliefs and our emotions kind of drive us generally. And we can be more aware of them, and that's great. Um, but can we use those to our advantage and come from a place of power with those uh, emotions and the awareness behind it? Well, like how you said that, come from a place of power. I just see picture as like a superhero. Was that power pose? Superhero pose. We do that with our kids a lot. I love that. You are very big on work-life balance Mm -hmm. and approaching life in a way that you can still have enjoyment and earn the money that you're after or deserve, worthy of, whatever the context is. How did you come about that? Has it always been ingrained in you that you always wanted to make sure that you can have passion in your work and passion in your life? Yeah, this has been an interesting road for me, (laughs) as I'm sure with most people. Um, You know, as I said, when I was younger, it was work really hard. And, and work long hours and, and do what you have to do to get by. And, and so I did that. I worked three jobs. I've done all of the oh, wow. Worked long uh, hours every week, uh, especially when I first started in the industry. And um, well, it worked. And I, I do believe that you have to work hard. Um, I've come to realize that I have to also work smart. And for me to work smart, that means giving myself and my body time to rest, time to have fun, time to have play so that I can show up in a better place. And, you know, it's taken me a long time, but, um, you know, as a sad piece is that my brother was 25 when he passed away in 2006 and young. It, it, it was hard, you know, he, my oldest brother, it was hard to deal with. And I, I've kind of come to terms with pieces of it 
you know, as I've gotten older, as I've felt ready to take it on. But what it really stands out to me is life is way too short and you never know what's going to happen. So if I'm just working 80 hours a week and not enjoying life and not being in the present moment, it's like I tell my clients, it's great to save money for the future, but also what do you need right now? What do you need in the present moment? Um, Because life is too short to not enjoy it. And so that work-life balance has really become important to me. And I want to show up in my best form for the people that I care about. And that includes my clients. It sounds like you're you're teaching your clients to do the same, encouraging them yeah. to do the same. <laughs> yeah. What are some tips or tricks that you use for yourself or your clients to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of conversations. I work with a lot of um, business owners, small business owners, specifically female business owners. Um, and a big question is, what do we charge? What what are we charging? And, you know, I I go to all my friends. I say, hey, raise your rates, you know, and they tell me the same thing, too. And while we may not always do I'll that. Pause this and raise your rates. Who's ever listening? Raise your rates. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's hard to do, you know, we always overthink it and and worry about who we're alienating because we all just want to help people at the end of the day. But um, one is raising your rates and making sure that you're getting paid what you're worth and and your time and and that you're valued. Um, And then two, it's really just understanding that while we want to help everyone, we can't help everyone. There's just too many people in the world. That is a lesson to be learned. Yeah. So... Who can we focus on and and spend our time there so that we're not just going out and trying to help everyone so that we have more time to focus on those individuals and save time for ourselves and for our families? Um, Find the right people. How do you figure out those people that you can help the most, maybe make the most impact or resonate the most with? How do you find your audience, maybe we'll call? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know that I I have figured this out. I'm still perfecting it for me. But I would say that it's getting really specific on who you want to work with rather than saying, I'll work with anyone. You got to get really specific on who you want to work with. Um, and then also, I think a big thing is surrounding yourself with people that you like and that would be an ideal client for you. But maybe they're not your client. Maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your mentor, maybe it's uh, your networking group or something like that. Because the more people you surround yourself with uh, that are of that caliber, the more you become of that caliber. And then you'll find other people that are like that. Because we tend to, as humans, walk with those people that we're pretty in common with. Yes, you're a result of your environment. That is very true. Yes. And words. Yeah. Who do you enjoy just being around? It's such a great gauge. I love that you said that for it. Yeah, I spend a lot of my time, you know, I, I only really do word of mouth referrals and things like that. But that's because I join groups that I enjoy. And so I'm with a hiking group or a biking group or something like that because I just want to be there. And then those people end up being ideal clients for me. And we get to be friends rather than just the advisor client relationship. That's a different dynamic. I love that. I want to bring up, because you're being very controversial right now. Our industry has trained us to work with everybody and anybody. Mm-hmm. And then you look at your book of business, your client list, and you're like, there's nothing in common with any of them. Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. What you said, let's focus on who you actually enjoy working with. Like, how dare you say that, Brenna? Right. <laughs> your old manager was probably 
scheming in our skin. Like, yeah. No, that's the opposite of what we trade, but you have to enjoy. That's my part of the work about you have to enjoy your own work. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. After that, you show up differently when you enjoy your work and you show up differently when you enjoy who you're working with. If I'm working with people <laughs> that I don't enjoy, then I just dread getting up in the morning and I don't want to do it. But if I'm like, oh, I, I get to see so and so today. I'm so excited. I haven't talked to them in a little while. I wonder what's going on or or I just talked to them last week. It's OK because I get to talk to them again, you know, if. If we saw each other at an event or a, a you know a gathering, something like that, it's just amazing how much more fun it is when you can be with people that you like and enjoy. I remember you just reminded me it, we were ha we worked with similar coach Robin Cray, uh -huh. stateless name block. and I remember on the phone with her and I said, "There's this prospect, and I'm not even looking forward to the initial phone call." And she goes, "Well, there's a red flag right there that you shouldn't work with them." I'm like, you're right. If this should be the honeymoon stage, right? Where we're just getting to know each other. We like each other. And I physically am getting sick coming up to the call. I'm nauseous. I have a headache. I'm sweating. And you know what? I should pass her on to somebody who will get along with her a lot better. Mm -hmm. it's just, And that's true. We're not, I'm not everybody's advisor. I'm not everybody's cup of tea and vice versa. But there's so, abundance. There's so many people who can help. Thanks <laughs> so much. Well, and you're actually doing the client a favor, right? Because That's good if, if you feel like you're not a good fit for, for them, then you're actually helping them out because then they'll find their person, the person that will really help them, that they'll listen to, that they'll connect with. And so you, you sometimes worry about saying no, but if you're like me and worried about what other people are, are going to say or think or whatever, you can come from it of that perspective of I'm actually helping you. Because you and I will not work well together. And I want you to find the person that will work best for you so that you can have the best. Yes. That's a great perspective to look at it. And that should be a reminder every time. Am I excited to be on this call? Is this bringing my energy up or is it bringing my energy down? And if it's bringing my energy down, it's not serving anybody in this world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not awesome. Thank you. Thank you Rita. Anything else you want to share with them? Any with... Oh, Leslie, with the one more money, behavioral finance tip, one of your favorites, one of your go-tos, what is it? <laughs> um, I just have so many, it's hard to pick one. Um, but I think that my favorite is just, what did you see your parents do um, when you were a kid when it came to money? How Did they argue um, or did they talk openly about it? Um, those kinds of things. Cause a lot of people say I wasn't taught about money as a kid and maybe that's true. And most likely it's true, but also what did you notice? What are the other things that aren't said because actions, uh, are louder than words. And so can you look back and figure that out and then see how that's showing up in your life today? So it creates that behavior for you. What was one of those moments for you watching your parents? Yeah. Um, I think that it's, you know, I always knew that we had what we needed, um, but we didn't talk openly about it. So it was kind of hush hush. Don't don't say anything, you know, don't share what you have or, or, or how much you make or anything like that. And yes, I agree with that in certain cases, but find your people, find your group of people, find it, find your, as I like to say, financial committee, those people that you can go to and support you in order to. Uh, share those pieces and and do better. 
That's amazing. I want to share with you my biggest memory was my mom and I love to go shopping together. Retail therapy, we'd have so much fun. It was the one thing that really bonded us. Mm -hmm. But when we would get home, she would go, leave the bags in the trunk. Mm. Why was she doing it? Because we would walk in the door and say, how much money did you spend? It wasn't the first question. Did you have a good time? What did you buy? How much money did you spend? So I, within one instance, money's really exciting and shopping is great and bonding too. You can't spend money on those things. You're not thinking it through. It's not part of the plan. <laughs> and to this day, right, having to look at my own behavioral finances, as you say, realizing I'm a little bipolar when it comes to spending and saving money. I'm a bit of a roller coaster. And it's, I need to become aware of it so I don't teach the same things to my kids. Right. Those patterns. Yeah. You don't want to feel guilty when you're spending money. And and again, like come from that place of power of, I know I can spend this money because I've tracked my money. I know how much I can spend. I don't want to feel guilty about it. And being able to have fun in the present moment without having to worry about what's going to happen next. Yes. So yeah, I need some of your help because that is still a recurring thing. <laughs> where, where can everybody find you? Yeah. Um, so I have a website. It's uh, www.citraineandgold.com. And then also you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Citrine and Gold. And uh, feel free to email, call. I'm looking forward to talking to everyone. Awesome. Thank you. We'll have those links in the bio as well with the release of this. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for being one of the OGs, one of the original wealth advisors to join us at the Women's Wealth Boutique. You're amazing. I love your work. I love what you're doing with your community. So thank you, Brenna. Thank you so much.